Chapter 29 of Boots and Saddles, or Life in Dakota with General Custer, by Elizabeth Custer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Chapter 29, Our Life's Last Chapter. Our women's hearts fell when the fiat went forth that there was to be a summer campaign with probably actual fighting with indians sitting bull refused to make a treaty with the government and would not come in to live on a reservation besides his constant attacks on the white settlers driving back even the most adventurous he was incessantly invading and stealing from the land assigned to the peaceable crows they appealed for help to the government that had promised to shield them the preparations for the expedition were completed before my husband returned from the east whither he had been ordered the troops had been sent out of barracks into a camp that was established a short distance down the valley as soon as the general returned we left home and went into camp the morning for the start came only too soon my husband was to take sister margaret and me out for the first day's march so i rode beside him out of camp the column that followed seemed unending the grass was not then suitable for grazing and as the route of travel was through a barren country immense quantities of forage had to be transported the wagons themselves seemed to stretch out interminably there were pack mules the ponies already laden and cavalry artillery and infantry followed the cavalry being in advance of all the number of men citizens employees indian scouts and soldiers was about twelve hundred there were nearly seventeen hundred animals in all as we rode at the head of the column we were the first to enter the confines of the garrison about the indian quarters which we were obliged to pass stood the squaws the old men and the children singing or rather moaning a minor tune that has been uttered on the going out of indian warriors since time immemorial some of the squaws crouched on the ground too burdened with their trouble to hold up their heads others restrained the restless children who discerning their fathers sought to follow them the indian scouts themselves beat their drums and kept up their peculiar monotonous tune which is weird and melancholy beyond description their war song is misnamed when called music it is more of a lament or a dirge than an inspiration to activity this intoning they kept up for miles along the road after we had passed the indian quarters we came near laundress row and there my heart entirely failed me the wives and children of the soldiers lined the road mothers with streaming eyes held their little ones out at arm's length for one last look at the departing father the toddlers among the children unnoticed by their elders had made a mimic column of their own with their handkerchiefs tied to sticks in lieu of flags 
and beating old tin pans for drums they strode lustily back and forth in imitation of the advancing soldiers they were fortunately too young to realize why the mothers wailed out their farewells unfettered by conventional restrictions and indifferent to the opinion of others the grief of these women was audible and was accompanied by desponding gestures dictated by their bursting hearts and expressions of their abandoned grief it was a relief to escape from them and enter the garrison and yet when our band struck up the girl i left behind me the most despairing hour seemed to have come all the sad-faced wives of the officers who had forced themselves to their doors to try to wave a courageous farewell and smile bravely to keep the ones they loved from knowing the anguish of their breaking hearts gave up the struggle at the sound of the music the first notes made them disappear to fight out alone their trouble and seek to place their hands in that of their heavenly father who at such supreme hours was their never-failing solace from the hour of breaking camp before the sun was up a mist had enveloped everything soon the bright sun began to penetrate this veil and dispel the haze and a scene of wonder and beauty appeared the cavalry and infantry in the order named the scouts pack mules and artillery all behind the long line of white-covered wagons made a column altogether some two miles in length as the sun broke through the mist a mirage appeared which took up about half of the line of cavalry and thenceforth for a little distance it marched equally plain to the sight on the earth and in the sky the future of the heroic band whose days were even then numbered seemed to be revealed and already there seemed a premonition in the supernatural translation as their forms were reflected from the opaque mist of the early dawn the sun mounting higher and higher as we advanced took every little bit of burnished steel on the arms and equipments along the line of horsemen and turned them into glittering flashes of radiating light the yellow indicative of cavalry outlined the accoutrements and trappings of the saddle and sometimes a narrow thread of that effective tint followed the outlines even up to the headstall of the bridle at every bend of the road as the column wound its way round and round the low hills my husband glanced back to admire his men and could not refrain from constantly calling my attention to their grand appearance the soldiers inured to many years of hardship were the perfection of physical manhood their brawny limbs and lithe well-poised bodies gave proof of the training their outdoor life had given their resolute faces brave and confident inspired one with the feeling that they were going out aware of the momentous hours awaiting them but inwardly 
assured of their capability to meet them the general could scarcely restrain his recurring joy at being detained on other duty his buoyant spirits at the prospect of the activity and field life that he so loved made him like a boy he had made every plan to have me join him later on when they should have reached the yellowstone the steamers with supplies would be obliged to leave our post and follow the missouri up to the mouth of the yellowstone and from thence on to the point on that river where the regiment was to make its first halt to renew the rations and forage he was sanguine that but a few weeks would elapse before we would be reunited and used this argument to animate me with courage to meet our separation as usual we rode a little in advance and selected camp and watched the approach of the regiment with real pride they were so accustomed to the march the line hardly diverged from the trail there was a unity of movement about them that made the column at a distance seem like a broad dark ribbon stretched smoothly over the plains we made our camp the first night on a small river a few miles beyond the post there the paymaster made his disbursements in order that the debts of the soldiers might be liquidated with the sutler in the morning the farewell was said and the paymaster took sister and me back to the post with my husband's departure my last happy days in garrison were ended as a premonition of disaster that i had never known before weighed me down i could not shake off the baleful influence of depressing thoughts this presentiment and suspense such as i had never known made me selfish and i shut into my heart the most uncontrollable anxiety and could lighten no one else's burden the occupations of other summers could not even give temporary interest we heard constantly at the fort of the disaffection of the young indians of the reservation and of their joining the hostels we knew for we had seen for ourselves how admirably they were equipped we even saw on a steamer touching at our landing its freight of springfield rifles piled up on the decks en route for the indians up the river there was unquestionable proof that they came into the trading posts far above us and bought them while our own brave seventh cavalry troopers were sent out with only the short-range carbines that grew foul after the second firing while we waited in untold suspense for some hopeful news the garrison was suddenly thrown into a state of excitement by important dispatches that were sent from division headquarters in the east we women knew that eventful news had come and could hardly restrain our curiosity for it was of vital import to us indian scouts were fitted out at the fort with the greatest dispatch and given instructions to make the utmost speed they could in reaching the expedition on the yellowstone after their departure when there was no longer any need for secrecy 
we were told that the expedition which had started from the department of the platte and encountered the hostile indians on the headwaters of the rosebud had been compelled to retreat all those victorious indians had gone to join sitting bull and it was to warn our regiment that this news was sent to our post which was the extreme telegraphic communication in the northwest and the orders given to transmit the information that precautions might be taken against encountering so large a number of the enemy the news of the failure of the campaign in the other department was a death knell to our hopes we felt that we had nothing to expect but that our troops would be overwhelmed with numbers for it seemed to us an impossibility as it really proved to be that our indian scouts should cross the vast extent of country in time to make the warning of use the first steamer that returned from the yellowstone brought letters from my husband with the permission for which i had longed unutterably to join him by the next boat the indians had fired into the steamer when it had passed under the high bluffs in the gorges of the river i counted the hours until the second steamer was ready they were obliged after loading to cover the pilot house and other vulnerable portions of the upper deck with sheet iron to repel attacks then sandbags were placed around the guards as protection and other precautions were taken for the safety of those on board all these delays and preparations made me inexpressibly impatient and it seemed as if the time would never come for the steamer to depart meanwhile our own post was constantly surrounded by hostiles and the outer pickets were continually subjected to attacks it was no unusual sound to hear the long roll calling out the infantry before dawn to defend the garrison we saw the faces of the officers blanch brave as they were when the savages grew so bold as to make a daytime sortie upon our outer guards a picture of one day of our life in those disconsolate times is fixed indelibly in my memory on sunday afternoon june twenty fifth our little group of saddened women borne down with one common weight of anxiety sought solace in gathering together in our house we tried to find some slight surcease from trouble in the old hymns some of them dated back to our childhood's days when our mothers rocked us to sleep to their soothing strains i remember the grief with which one fair young wife threw herself on the carpet and pillowed her head in the lap of a tender friend another sat dejected at the piano and struck soft chords that melted into the notes of the voices all were absorbed in the same thoughts and their eyes were filled with faraway visions and longings indescribable yearning for the absent and untold terror for their safety engrossed each heart the words of the hymn even though a cross it be nearer my god to thee 
came forth with almost a sob from every throat at that very hour the fears that our tortured minds had portrayed in imagination were realities and the souls of those we thought upon were ascending to meet their maker on july fifth for it took that time for the news to come the sun rose on a beautiful world but with its earliest beams came the first knell of disaster a steamer came down the river bearing the wounded from the battle of the little bighorn of sunday june twenty fifth this battle wrecked the lives of twenty-six women at fort lincoln and orphaned children of officers and soldiers joined the cry to that of their bereaved mothers from that time the life went out of the hearts of the women who weep and god asked them to walk on alone and in the shadow end of chapter twenty nine end of boots and saddles by elizabeth custer